Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 12. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, the Apostle Paul writes to young Timothy and he says, Don't let anyone think less of you. Because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. I want to read the last part of that again. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. It is indeed a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. God, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that you'll give us ears upon our heart today. Let us listen and let us hear, but God, let us also heed the Word of God. Father, may we understand the incredible importance of this message today. And how important that it is to live out what we say and what we teach and what we preach. Father, all for the glory of God we ask in your name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, today we are going to continue a message that we began last Sunday about being an example. You see, here's the situation. Whether we like it or not. Whether we want to be or not, we are an example. Now, now we might be a good one or we might be a bad one. Either way, we are one. Now, when Paul wrote young Timothy, he told him to be an example in five distinct areas. Now, let me remind you of the first two that we covered. We talked about Uh, in detail last Sunday. But there are people that are here this morning that were not here last Sunday, and for their benefit, and for you and I that were here, it will be a reminder of what we said last week as well. Well, let's cover the first two, and then we'll go on with the other three this morning. So Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, be an example. Number one, he says, be an example in what you say. Jesus said that the words that we choose to speak reveals who we truly are and what is deep down inside of us. So if we understand that, then we would understand that if bitter words are constantly flowing out of our mouth, then that means that there is bitterness in our heart. If sexual innuendos frequently come out of our mouth, then that means that our heart is filled with with lust. Somebody said it like this, whatever is in the well is going to come out in the faucet. Now last week I challenged us to speak three types of words. First of all, positive words. Positive words. And and last week I challenged all of us, I challenged us to listen to ourselves. Have you been listening to yourself this week? Have you been listening to the words that, have, that, that constantly come out of your mouth? 
You see, I believe that it might absolutely shock you if you really began to listen to the words that keep flowing out of your mouth. Are they positive or are they negative? Do they build up or do they tear down? Are you constantly in some type of confrontation or controversy because of the words that continually come out of your mouth? You're saying. Not only should we speak positive words, I, I challenge us all to speak peaceful words. Do our words add fuel to the fire or do they help extinguish the fire? And then I challenge us to, to speak purposeful words. To be very, very careful with what we allow to come out of our mouth. To make sure that there is a purpose for what we are saying. Because words are very powerful. They either help or they hurt. They will either add value to a person or they will subtract value. And as I told you last Sunday, we need to understand that people are listening to us. They're listening to what we have to say. They're listening to our response from this, that, or whatever. And people are being influenced by us. They're being influenced by what we say. And people are imitating us. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and 36, he said, You will give an account on judgment day for every idle word that you speak. Rut row. <laughs> Paul wrote to young Timothy, he said, Be an example. Be an example, he said, first of all, in what you say. But then he said, Be an example in the way you live. Because you see, people not only listen to what you say, but they also watch how you live. And so last week, I I gave you three ways that, that you should live your life. First of all, we need to live with consistency. Live with consistency. Because you see, there are far too many chameleon Christians today. They, they, they know how to blend in to their surroundings. Oh, oh, they know how to look churchy and they know how to look worldly. It just depends on the crowd that they are with. They're trying to walk with God and run with the world at the same time. No wonder sinners laugh at us and want absolutely no part of what we have. Not only should we live with consistency, we should also live with compassion. We should have a genuine love for and do everything within our power to help people who have legitimate needs. Say legitimate. We should have genuine love for and do everything in our power to help people who have legitimate needs and who are doing everything within their own ability to help themselves. Don't ask me to help you if you're not willing to help yourself. 1 John 3 and 17 says, If someone has enough money to live well, and he sees a brother or a sister that is in need and yet shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? 
But I want to balance that scripture with this one. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, uh, Paul writes, and he said, when we were with you, we gave this command. This what? He said, when we were with you, we gave this command that those unwilling to work will not get to eat. I wish our government knew about that one. Now notice, those unwilling to work, not those unable to work. Now I could get in big trouble here. Let me just try and get in a little trouble. Not everybody on disability is really disabled. I think there's a host of people on disability today that ought to be working somewhere. If nothing else, they ought to be standing at Walmart saying, Welcome to Walmart. When I'm in Texas, I can get, along. I can get away with this, can't I? That's just kind of the way we think about it around here, amen? Amen. Remember, he's unwilling, not unable. There are people who legitimately are disabled and unable. And then we need to live with conviction. Live with conviction. Now, when I was growing up, the preachers preached against everything. I mean, the preacher brought a shotgun to church. I mean, you know, he'd just blow us all out. Well, today the pendulum has swung to the other extreme to where the preachers today aren't preaching against anything. In many pulpits today, all you're going to get is a little self-help. All you're going to get is a little pep talk. In some churches, there are, there are key words and phrases that the pastor will not use. The pendulum has swung too far in the other direction today. And both extremes are wrong. Now, I shouldn't preach my convictions. But I should preach that we all should have some. You might say, well, pastor, what is a conviction? Well, to be convicted about something is to be convinced that something is wrong. Now, much of the Bible is black and white. For example, the Ten Commandments. Now, understand, we don't need a personal conviction about something that the Bible is clear about. If the Bible is clear about something, that is not a matter of conviction, but rather a matter of obedience or disobedience. But how many know that the Bible cannot cover every single area of life? For instance, certain types of entertainment. Or... What should I or should I not wear? When I was growing up, man, the preachers, they, they were those clothesline preachers, man. I mean, they, they loved, they loved to preach about the way people dressed. And they always picked on the ladies. Well, it was a man preacher. He's not going to, you know, come on. But let me give you a clue. If, if stuff is hanging out... You shouldn't. (laughs) 
Do I or don't I? Should I or shouldn't I? Can I or can't I? Listen to me carefully this morning. Everybody should have some personal convictions. Areas where the Bible isn't black and white on. Areas where the Bible doesn't give clear direction. But by seeking God and by asking God for guidance, we we have become convinced that we can or we cannot participate in this or that particular area. Conviction. Everyone should have a set of personal convictions. Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully. Everyone's set of convictions will be different and unique to them. And we should not judge or criticize people who have liberty in an area where we don't have liberty. And here's why. Because we also have liberty in some areas where they don't have liberty in. So we should not judge or criticize people who have liberty in an area where we do not have liberty in. And we should not try to push our convictions on others, neither should we feel obligated to adhere to somebody else's conviction. Romans 14 and 5 says, let each person, say each person, let each person be fully convinced, say fully convinced. Let each person be fully convinced in his own mind. Say, own mind. Now, if you were not here last Sunday, I encourage you to go to our website and listen to last week's sermon because I spent a lot more time with this, and I think it would be really helpful if you would listen to the presentation last Sunday morning. All right, let's move on to today's message today. Paul writes to young Timothy, and he says, be an example. In your love. Now, Jesus said in John 13 and 35, He said, By this all will know that you are my disciples. By this. By, by what, Jesus? By, by, by what? That we carry around a, a, a 10 pound family Bible? That we speak in King James English or in Christianese? That we wear a Christian t-shirt or a metal cross around our neck and a what would Jesus do wristband? Is that how people are going to know that we love Jesus? Is that how people are going to know, amen, that we're a disciple and a follower of Christ? Jesus, no, no, Jesus said by this all will know that you're my disciple. By what, Jesus? If you have love one for another. See, there are some people that wear Christian t-shirts. I wish they wouldn't wear them. Some people wear what would Jesus do bracelets, and I wish they wouldn't wear them. Because they're doing more harm than good by the way they live their life. Jesus said, everybody's going to know you're my disciple if you have love one for another. So apparently love speaks volumes. Apparently, love is of utmost importance if both Jesus and the Apostle Paul demand it. So let me, very quickly, let me suggest three things about Christian love. We suggest, first of all, it should be authentic. Authentic. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22 says, show sincere love. Show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Notice the phrase, sincere love. 
not phony baloney, not in word only, not with selfish motives, but sincere, authentic, genuine love. And, and it's not hard to tell the difference, is it? Well, listen, if we can tell the difference, so can everybody else. But our love should not just be authentic, it should also be abundant. Philippians 1 and 9 says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. Friend, we should have an abundance of love. Oh, a love that overflows, a love that spills out of us and splashes on to everybody that we come in contact with. A love so abundant that, that, that it would include every color, it would include every race, it would include every age. Did you know that the elderly today feel neglected? Do you understand that the elderly in our, in our congregations today feel left out? Amen. That they feel like they're just being put up with? That we have ripped the church right out from under them? Because today's church doesn't resemble uh, yesterday's church at all. And they feel violated. Now, hopefully our elderly don't do around here because we love them and we embrace them and we pet them and we pamper them. But I'm telling you that if you have the love of Jesus overflowing in your heart, it's not just for people that are the same age as you. It's not just for the same people that are in your social class. It's a love so abundant that it would include every color, it would include every race, it would include every age. Oh, a love so abundant that it would include people that don't think exactly like you do. Oh, it would include people that don't cross their T's or dot their I's exactly like you do. People who don't have the same convictions as you do. People who are outside of your social circle. People who are in a different tax bracket than you are in. Paul wrote to young Timothy, be an example in love. Love everybody, include everybody in your circle of love. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12, may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. There it is again, the word overflow. So friend, oh, if we are an, an example in love, our love is abundant, it overflows, it spills out of us and touches everybody that we come in contact with. Our love should not just be authentic and abundant, but it ought to be appropriated. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18, let's not merely say that we love each other. No, let us show the truth by our actions. It says our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Hey, ha, you can tell me that you love me till you're blue in the face. But if you're always in a holy huddle speaking against me, your actions tell me otherwise. I can tell my wife that I love her, but if I don't show her any affection, if I don't go to work and provide for her, if I'm not sensitive to her needs, if I'm constantly criticizing her and putting her down and belittling her, my actions reveal something far different than what my words are saying. 
If I'm to be an example in love like Paul admonishes us to be, I, I won't just say I love people. I will prove it by my actions. I, I will comfort those who are brokenhearted. I will share some of my resources with those who have a legitimate need. I will encourage those that are walking through difficulty. I will be loyal to those who are being slandered. As an example, my love will be authentic, abundant, and appropriated. Let's move on. Paul writes to young Timothy and he says, be an example in your faith. Now let me share three things about your faith. First of all, let me suggest that it should be unmistakable. Unmistakable. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13 says, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. What is Paul saying about our faith here? He's saying that our faith should be unmistakable faith. Let me ask you this morning. Do the people you work with even know that you're a person of faith? Do the people that you work with every single day, do they even know that you call yourself a Christian? How about the people you hang out with? How about the people at the gym? How about your neighbors? Does your boss know better than to ask you to lie for him? Does he know better than to ask you to fill out a false report? Is there any reason why he wouldn't or she wouldn't? Hey, hey, do your buddies, do your buddies know that you do not appreciate the dirty jokes? Or do they know that you're going to laugh and carry on with them just like everybody else? I'm not telling you to act extra holy and I'm holier than you and I'm better than you and I'm too good for this. But, you know, you can let them know in a very subtle way that, you know, you don't appreciate it. And, you know, when, when you know it's coming out, you just walk away. They ask you why you don't laugh. You say, you know, I just, I, I don't participate in that. I'm, I'm a Christian, and I just. Do you model unmistakable faith, or do you pick and choose who you allow to know about your faith? going to be an example of our faith, it must be an unmistakable faith, but not only an unmistakable faith, it needs to be an uncommon faith. Let me ask you this, how does your faith hold up under pressure? See, anybody can praise God in the good times, but, but, but how do you react in the bad times? How do you react when when everyone around you is expressing doubt and unbelief? 
Do you have uncommon faith when common faith just will not get the job done? Two men in the Bible who possessed uncommon faith among many, many others were David and Peter. When David's brothers shook with fear over the prospect of fighting the giant named Goliath, David stepped up and he said, let me at him, man. Don't have a heart attack. Just chill out, brothers. I'll handle this. And because of David's uncommon faith, God demonstrated his power and showed the army of Israel what he could accomplish through a man or a boy of uncommon faith. Here's what I have discovered. My greatest accomplishments in ministry have taken place when I was willing to allow God to use me in areas where no one else was stepping up. When God would use me to try and do what everybody else was unwilling to do. Peter was another man in the Bible who, who possessed uncommon faith. Peter, P- Peter is the only man besides Jesus to ever walk on the water. You know the story while the other 11 disciples were watching Peter was walking while the other 11 were spectating. He was participating while the other 11 were asking why. He was asking, why not? And at the end of the day, Peter was the only one out of the 12 that could add water walker to his resume. Can you imagine the stories he would later tell to his grandkids? I cannot speak for you today, but I covet, I covet uncommon faith. Oh, I can't speak for you, but for me, I'd rather walk on the water than just sit in the boat. I'd rather kill the giant than just sit, oh, in the stands and watch. Oh, in February, I'm going to turn 60, and I don't know how it happened. Many, if not most, 60-year-old men are starting to coast toward retirement. That's not what I'm doing. That's not my plan. No, I'm praying that my latter years will be greater than my former years. Amen. Let me tell you that I've never been more excited about ministry than I am right now. Let me tell you that I plan to finish strong. Let me tell you that I plan to go out on top. Let me tell you that I still, amen, have a desire to walk on the water. I still have a desire to slay some more giants before I am finished. I desire to be an example in my faith. Not only should our faith be unmistakable and uncommon, it also should be uncompromising. The three Hebrew boys in Daniel 3 were perfect examples of uncompromising faith. You know the story. King Nebi erected a statue. Many believe it was a statue of himself. It was a golden image. and He demanded everybody, everybody, when the music was played, everybody had to bow down and worship the golden image. And everybody did. Everybody that is besides Shadrach, Meshach, and your shack. I mean Abednego. These three guys stayed true. These three guys served 
the true and the living God. These guys knew the Ten Commandments and they were unwilling to even even bend one of them, let alone break one. And so they, they chose to stand for their God rather than bow to a false Their uncompromising faith caused them to be punished by by being thrown into a furnace of fire. But but you know the story, God honored them. Oh, God honored their uncompromising faith by literally coming down and walking with them in the furnace of fire. And when they pulled them out of the fire, they didn't even smell like smoke. What a miracle. Amen. You can't even go to 7-Eleven without coming out smelling like smoke. And let me tell you this morning, what what God did for them, He will do for you and He'll do for me. Notice the last area that Paul told Timothy to be an example in. He said, be an example in your purity. You see, because the people that we have influence on are watching us and they are imitating us, Because of that, we must be very, very careful in this area. We must be very sure that we are walking the walk and not only talking the talk. And when we stand before God on Judgment Day, and by the way, you will stand before God on Judgment Day. But when we stand before God on Judgment Day, we will not just be held accountable for how we lived our lives. Listen to me. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we will not just be held accountable for how we lived our lives, but also in how our lives affected and influenced other people. You better get this. Some of you live like you don't know it. You live like you don't get it. Every idle word that man shall speak, he'll give account of on the day of judgment. Every. Hello? We're not just going to have to give an account for us. We're going to have to give an account for how our life affected. Oh, we want the reward of how our life blessed somebody else, and so we get to share in their reward. Yes, we do. That's awesome. That's incredible. We can shout about that. But that's not all that's going to happen. That's not all that's going to take place. We're going to give an account of how our lives affected other people and how we influenced other people. And, oh, I hate to even say this. I don't want to say it, but I've got to say it. If I'm responsible, I will say it, and so I'm going to say it. Perhaps we will make it to heaven. Perhaps we will make it to heaven, but others won't make it because they stumbled over the things that we said, the things that we did, and the way we acted. Romans 14 and 13 is pretty clear. Paul writes, he says, determined to live in such a way that you will not cause, say cause, 
determined to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Oh, listen, can you even imagine what you would feel like, amen, that if you caused your brother or your sister, amen, to fall and fail and not make heaven, could you imagine what you would feel like if you were the cause why some sinner would not come to Christ because they couldn't get past you to get to the cross? Pastor, that's strong. It ain't strong enough. Let me quickly mention two areas where we should be an example of purity in. The first one is in the area of entertainment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 through 33, Paul doesn't talk about entertainment. But what he talks about will fit here. The principles. He just gives principles. And so, for lack of time this morning, I'm not going to read these 10 or 11 verses. But in these 10 or 11 verses, Paul makes four points. And I want you to listen very clearly this morning. This is some good stuff we need to hear. The first point that Paul makes in this passage is just because your conscience is clear on a matter and you have no conviction against it, that still doesn't mean you should participate in it. Let me say it again. Just because your conscience is clear on a matter and you have no conviction against it, that still doesn't mean that you ought to be a participant in it. Here's why. Point two Paul makes. Someone else. Say else. Someone else might not be able to do it or be a part of it or whatever. Someone else might not be able to do it. And if they see you doing it, they will be offended or lose respect for you. And let me tell you that if they, if they lose respect for you, you can no longer influence them in a positive manner. That's why just because your conscience is clear, just because you have no conviction against something, that in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean you ought to be doing it. Point number three Paul makes. Know your audience. You see, if we know that what we're about to do won't offend those that we are with, We can go ahead and do it. If what I'm about to do doesn't offend me, I'm not convicted against it. And the people that I am with, they have no conviction against it either. If I'm with them and this comes up, I, I, can, I can be a part of it. But, say but. If we know that what we're about to do will offend someone we're with,
we won't do it while we are with them. Doesn't mean we will never do it. It means while we are with them because it convi- they are convicted and, and, and we'll lose their respect. And, and, and so while we are with them, we won't partake. We won't be a part of it. You say, Pastor, that's being a hypocrite. No, it's not. We're not, we're not trying to trick them. We're not trying to be two-faced. We're just trying to watch out for them. It's not hypocritical. It's, prefer- it's preferring our brother and trying not to offend our brother. Are you still with me? The fourth point Paul makes here. What I do or don't do is not just about me. But about others. And how they feel about it. And how it will affect them. Good stuff. Point five is from me. We've moved from Paul to Mike. Point five is from me. Don't announce everything you do. Don't announce everything you do. If you have liberty in an area while others don't have liberty in, enjoy your liberty. Enjoy your liberty. But don't announce to the world your liberty. Because if you announce to the world your liberty, those that don't have that liberty will be offended and might lose respect for you. And now you cannot lead them. Now you cannot minister to them. So enjoy your liberty. If indeed you do have liberty, enjoy the liberty, but don't tell everybody the liberty that you have. Don't take pictures of it and post it on Facebook. Dear folks, I sometimes wish I'd never started this thing. And I thought many times of quitting Facebook. When I see things posted, when I see things, I see pictures, I see things, and it just makes me shudder. And I see banter, and I see criticism, and I see slander, and I see all this stuff. And I'm talking about from church people. Point number five is for me, don't announce everything you do. Don't announce your liberty. Enjoy your liberty. Don't announce it. Number six is also from me. And I've learned this after 42 years of ministry. You will never please everybody. So don't place yourself in a straitjacket. Let me tell you, it is an absolute miracle that my wife and I are married today after 42 years. When we got married right out of high school at 17 years old and started pastoring a church at 17, had a handful of little widow ladies 
My wife just out of high school with her mini skirts and go-go boots. <laughs> One of the reasons I married her. <laughs> Move her into a little four-room shack they called a parsonage. And I turned my wife from a 17-year-old high school uh, graduate, beautiful girl, to a 75-year-old grandma. <laughs> I made her take off her makeup. I made her, she couldn't wear pants. She um, couldn't wear uh, earrings. She couldn't, uh, couldn't do anything. Trying to please those 12-year-old ladies, those 12, -year -old, those 12 little old ladies. And that didn't even please them. Because one of the little ladies came up to her after church one Sunday and said, Oh, I just love your new length of your dresses. Now, remember, this was in uh, the early 70s. And this little lady came up to my wife after my wife had, you know, lengthened her, her dresses from here. No, not really. <laughs> from, from maybe, where, baby? So from here. From here. To hear. And one of the little ladies told her, I just love your new link, but sweetheart, it's, it, they're still not below your knees. Point number six is from me. You'll never please everybody, so don't, don't place yourself in a straitjacket. Don't place See, if I do something, I'm criticized. If I don't do something, I'm criticized. I get criticized either way. I'm not, I'm not whining. It comes with the territory. Whether I do it or don't do it, somebody's not going to be happy with me. And it's amazing to me what offends some people. And I look at what they're doing, I'm thinking, What? I think it has something to do about a speck and a beam. A splinter and a four by four. Let, let me encourage you. Let me just tell you this. Put your life in the middle of the road. Do everything in moderation. Say moderation. moderation. And with wisdom. And then let God take care of your critics. There's sometimes I just like to just tear into somebody. I'm talking about in the church. And my wife's encouraging me to do it. <laughs> I've learned just let God deal with it. Amen? Because I'll get out of the spirit real quick and get in the flesh. Amen? 
How's this teaching this morning? Is it all right? Amen. But not only should your purity show up in your entertainment, it should be done already, but also in your endorsements. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 22 in the Mike Benson paraphrase, be very careful who you endorse. Now, I'm out of time. I'm past out of time. But we need to be very, very careful who we place our stamp of approval on, whether they be a minister or whether they be a member. Now, we ought to love everybody, but we only endorse those that have proven themselves to be true blue. And we do not align ourselves with questionable people or ministers. Worship team, get back in place this morning, please. Very quickly, very quickly. Wish I had more time. On this, this morning. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Be an example. Be an example in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Question I have today is, What kind of example are you? What kind of an example are you? Are you the kind of an example that, and even though you've not led anyone down the Roman road, even though you haven't even mentioned the name of Jesus, but but, but, but they know just because of the way that you live your life that there is something different about you. Do you live your life in a manner where people are constantly stumbling over the way you live your life, the words that come out of your mouth, your attitude, your critical spirit? Something wrong with everything. It doesn't matter what it is. There's something wrong with it. If that's the case, it's more than a mouth problem. It's a heart problem. Jesus said, whatever's in here, coming out here. And I'm going to challenge you because I know you, didn't, you did not accept the challenge last week. I'm going to challenge you one more time. Seriously, this isn't just preaching, all right? I'm telling you, you need to do this. I need to do this. Listen, listen. Start when you leave, when you're sitting at dinner in just a few moments. Listen to the words that's coming out of your mouth. They'll tell you a lot. They'll tell you if you are healthy or unhealthy. They'll tell you if you're sweet or you're sour. They'll tell you if you've got a good attitude or a bad attitude. I challenge you. I challenge you. Listen to the words that come out of your mouth. And if you don't like the words that are coming out of your mouth, because that means whatever's coming out of here started down in here. You, gotta, you can't just change here. You've got to change here. Until you change here, this will never change. The reason why I can't make you do anything, even though I would sometimes love to. just love to take people and just shake up. (laughs) I can't make you do anything. You will never change until this changes. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Stand with me.
Father, I just pray that you'll take the word of God today. Lord, not my little sermon that I put together, even though I've worked extremely hard on it. But Lord, not my sermon today, but God, the word, the true word of God. Lord, in the message today, God, I pray, Lord, you'll use your word to do what needs to be done in our heart and in our life today. I want everyone to come to the altar this morning. Everybody, just come on. Just come on this morning. Just come on this morning. I'm going to ask you today, I'm going to challenge you today to look at your heart today. I'm going to challenge you today to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to shine a spotlight on some area in your heart. It's not right. And I want you to ask God to change your heart today. To change your heart. Your attitude will never change until your heart changes. Ask God to change your heart this morning. We'll give you just one-on-one time for just a couple of moments, then they're going to lead us in worship this morning. But I want you to have one-on-one time. I want you to let God help you examine your heart today. If there's something in there that shouldn't be, I need you to ask the Lord. You need to ask the Lord to forgive you and cleanse your heart and change your heart and make your heart right. Make your heart pure. Make it what it needs to be. Amen. Will you do that this morning, one-on-one, just you and God for a couple of moments this morning. decisions to make us lose influence with those that we're reaching for you. God, help us. Give us the strength, Lord, to be an example. Holy Spirit, empower us to be an example. Empower us to think about our convictions, our our values, our standards through the lens of, am I being a good witness? Am I being a good example to others and not just make it about us? Help us to do that today, Lord. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we praise you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.